Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Something Inventive. Today we'll be looking through lots of different things to do with social media and because of that I've got special guest on Jonathan Pollinger who is an expert in that sort of thing. We talked about Jonathan uh, last episode I think with Al looking through his predictions so we're going to dig into some of those and, and why he does these predictions. But before I go and rattle on Jonathan why don't you just introduce yourself you've been on before but perhaps for new listeners introduce who you are. Hello, I'm uh, Jonathan Pollinger and my thing is very much social media. So no other aspect of marketing, although obviously social media links into other aspects of marketing, but my focus is very much social media. And within that, it's also very much about training as well. So I have dabbled with other areas like strategy and uh, social media management in, in the past, but now very much focused on training via one-to-ones, in-house workshops, and increasingly actually via uh, Skype and, uh, right. and similar tools um, online. And I've been around for a while, actually, <laughs> especially in social uh, in the social media world. So uh, this is actually my uh, my tenth uh, tenth year now. Is it? Yeah, we've been going um, uh, similar times, actually, in terms of our businesses. Um, we're, we're in our 10th year as well. So, oh, right. Exactly. Um, happy 10th year, John. And to you. And to you. Well, we'll talk more about your business later because I've got a topic in the agenda about your rebrand from oh, yeah. uh, one company name to another and, and why you did that. I'm interested personally as to as why you went down the road that you went down, because I think it's an interesting one. But first, I want to talk about um, the predictions. This is something in the last episode Alan and I talked about, really looking at taking a few of your predictions and talking through whether we agreed with you, what we think would happen. And I think if anyone is interested in uh, looking and finding out more about your predictions for 2019, 2020, in terms of what's happening in the social media space, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, but I'm not going to dive into them today. I think what I want to speak to Jonathan about is why you do this, looking at maybe your past predictions and seeing how, how close you were on them. First of all, it's it's a bit of fun. Uh, it's quite good to try and get the, the crystal ball out and see what's, uh, what's coming down the line. But perhaps more seriously, oh, by the way, this whistling, I have to apologise for that. It's the, uh, it's the wind on my balcony, so there's not a lot I can, uh, I can do about it, particularly windy day here in uh, Cardiff, uh, Cardiff Bay. Um, so, yeah, on the business side, though, more seriously, perhaps with uh, with predictions, if you know what is going to happen in the in the future, then you can prepare for that. And actually, you can get ahead of the competition a little bit, because if you start in, say, a space that's going to be big or with a particular feature that's going to be really big and popular, you can have sort of first mover advantage of that mm. and get in there before other people do. That can be advantageous. And also, if you do that at an early stage, then you can actually learn more about it and perhaps become more expert at it than uh, than, than late comers. And I guess for third reason would be, you know, it's just kind of fascinating. I think everybody's fascinated by the by the future. I've noticed on LinkedIn and on the web writing certain articles as people with the uh, with the job title futurologist these days. So yeah. uh, it's it's kind of like an area I think that people are fascinated with. So fun, it's got a business purpose, and it's it's just a general interest. And is it is it something you walked into in in that you came across uh, you had ideas and you thought well, you'd jot them down, or is it was it quite a pur- purposeful intent? writing these predictions down? I would say it's kind of like a lead on from trends because I've always been interested in in trends and trends themselves are kind of almost a definition of a trend is sort of what's popular at this current point in time. But also I think if you're spotting a trend, it's generally when you're on the 
cusp of it and it's actually about sort of become full-blown so in a sense that's a bit of a prediction and again for the business reasons stated if you can tap into current trends so for example big ones at the moment would be mobile messaging and video if you can get your heads head around those then that can again give you a big advantage and, a, and an edge on your your competitor so a link in from 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 trends which i'm always talking about in uh, in training and workshops it's interesting you were saying about trends and getting ahead of them. And actually, once you can see a trend, usually the trend is heading towards its peak or is at its peak. I once heard someone talk about investing like that and saying that um, if you hear that your uncle is about to invest in a particular company or a house or some you know, some large sum of money, the housing market or the, the economy is, is at its peak and it's going to crash because that's when people feel most confident. But it's actually not necessarily the time you want to invest. And it seems very similar with trends. It's like, actually, you need to spend the time looking ahead and, and, and making these predictions so you can, you can get a feel for what's going to happen. And then, then testing that and seeing whether you're right on the other side. Yeah, I think that's right. That's a very good, very good parallel. So, yeah, coming to that, how, how right have you been? OK, so on the, maybe on the negative side, back in end of 2017, uh, it was admittedly a bit of a bit of a jokey one in my my defence, but I did predict that Facebook were going to open a chain of coffee shops, and that hasn't <laughs> hasn't happened yet. But at the same time, I was looking at uh, Facebook having the possibility of getting into the hardware space, and mm. uh, and that one's come true. So because they've got a, a Facebook speaker out now, similar to Amazon Alexa uh, and uh, and Google Home, so um, so that's an area that uh, that they've got involved with, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more sort of uh, hardware products come along there. Another one, kind of like confirmed by Mark Zuckerberg yesterday, actually this year, forecasting a move from what I would call public sharing to to private sharing. I'm specifically talking about business, whereby companies are sort of having to talk to people on an individual basis, personal basis now which there's more of an expectation of that from the public and also the other way around with people contacting companies with questions and customer services issues increasingly via twitter direct message whatsapp and via facebook messenger or or directly via message via a, a facebook company's facebook page yesterday mark zuckerberg was talking about how he sees a future sort of trend of social networks moving from how he described it as a town square to a more sort of living room kind of space. Explain that a little bit more. Okay, so in other words, rather than the the general thing of posting, say, a photo or a video onto Facebook and then mm-hmm. that appearing in the newsfeed of your of your friends, he's talking about sending that to a group of friends mm-hmm. or an individual friend via WhatsApp or uh, or Facebook Messenger. So yeah, I think all I can say is that we're kind of like in agreement. There. So is um, that about having smaller networks, really? So rather than posting publicly, you're posting much more within your inner circle of friends uh, instead? Yeah, absolutely. I, probably the word niche is sort of suitable mm. there and the business point of view. So we're also seeing that with increasing popularity and indeed Facebook expanding the functionality of uh, Facebook groups. So, you know, there's always been groups for, for yoga, archery, bowling, football, whatever. But I think we're seeing those groups become more, more active now and people spending more time in, in those groups rather than perhaps, perhaps on, uh, on pages or, or in the, in the newsfeed. Because in the newsfeed, yes, you can, you can control it. But I think um, it's kind of like a, a thing that I talk about a lot. A lot of people don't 
don't realize that you can, which is a bit of a shame. And perhaps Facebook could make that a bit easier. So they sort of like see their news feed and say, oh, that's rubbish. And they can either look for something else to do entirely. Or if they go to a group and they're interested in the in the subject of that group, say, I don't know, tennis, then mm-hmm. they know pretty much that the content, the videos and the photos in there are going to be appealing to them because they like because they like tennis. So, yeah, there's going to be and is a definite movement towards niche in that respect. And as you say, the same is true of, of messaging. So if you know that you've got a group of friends that are interested in say, I don't know, co-working or something, then you could send them a, an article, a link to an article about that subject, whereas you know that the majority of your friends aren't interested in, in co-working, just to use that as, a, as an example. And where do you think that movement's come from? Uh, is, it, is it something uh, to do with the way that Facebook has been uh, changing the, the feed so that it becomes uh, unbearable that they have to move somewhere else and they need, they need this narrower focus of a group? Or is it a change in trend in, ha- in our behaviour? I think probably a combination of the fact that it is, as you say, the newsfeed is getting a bit cluttered up with mm. adverts. And whilst there are ads in Messenger, there aren't in WhatsApp yet. <laughs> there will be. Yeah, it could be people dissatisfied with the newsfeed. And as I say, it's pretty hard to uh, it's pretty hard to change. But also, I think people are becoming more you know they're becoming more sophisticated so they are learning to how to seek out the content that they actually want and how to send the content they actually want to the to the right people so that's where the the groups and the and the messaging are uh, are are coming in i think another example of that actually is uh instagram stories so recently you featured there is that you can uh, you can actually send now your story just to your close friends. So that's quite an interesting one. Yeah, uh, I've heard so, that. I've, I've heard that some people struggle sometimes to make sure they they do send it to the right <laughs> the right yeah. group or tick the right box to do that. But it's a good it's a good idea because sometimes you you want to use that same um, the software the forum that you're comfortable with, but actually the content isn't appropriate or interesting to to the wider public. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So it's just giving people an extra an extra option to narrow down their audience there. Just while we're on Instagram. Touch on using stickers for business, would you, before we jump back onto Facebook? It's something we we were talking about earlier, about how you felt that stickers could be quite useful in a business environment. Yeah, sure. I think stickers are, you know, on the one hand, they're very much a a a fun aesthetic element of, of Instagram stories, but they can really be used hugely by uh, by businesses and and very successfully too. So stickers basically give you extra functionality. They're all around engagement, so you can really get some engagement going with your audience. So for example, you can run a poll, you can ask people questions, you can get people to ask you questions. There's an extra dynamic there that uh, that you don't really get on the uh, on the newsfeed. I think they're they're sort of like hugely hugely powerful. To give you a sort of bit of an off the wall one and a, a direct example of a business objective, say you were looking to collect leads, you could actually use the the question sticker to collect somebody's email address if they're mm. interested in your in your product or your or your service. Achieve objectives like raise awareness increase engagement and obtain leads and increase your revenue yeah they go a lot further than i thought instagram isn't an area i've i've gone into i focus on very few social media accounts per from a personal point of view um and you know working with people like you certainly i listen to your weekly um facebook live video um, 9 a.m on mondays the social media show i I don't always have time to watch it but i will have it in a browser in the background and listen to the repeat when it comes on uh, yeah instagram i find particularly interesting as a platform that a lot of people are starting to use over and above Facebook. Uh, and in certain circumstances, to younger people are using 
Instagram like I might use Facebook and they really don't like using Facebook. It is Instagram is, is the way um, forward in terms of business promotion, which, yeah. which I, I find quite alien looking at because I don't use it. I'm not in, the, in that sphere. Yeah, I think there's a few reasons for, for that. Uh, it's very much mobile. So younger people have, have grown up with the mobile phone. So yeah. they're very adept at mobile phone use. So that comes comfortably to them. And I think they're more comfortable at, at taking photos and shooting video as well. So which is a, an integral part of, uh, of stories and, and Instagram. And then, of course, you know, not forgetting there are three parts to it. So any one of those, the parts of Instagram could could appeal. So you've got the main mm-hmm. feed, which is where you can post uh, photos and uh, and videos. You've got stories, which we which we've mentioned, which are a bit more informal. And then you've got IGTV, Instagram TV as well. So can't quite say something for everybody, but there might be just one of those three areas that you want to get involved with. Yeah, I think it's a, it has a simpler premise as well. There's le- there's less mess, so to speak, in mm-hmm. in, in the Facebook web interface. There's a lot going on. For me, it's useful. I love using the web on a, on a desktop computer. It's much more convenient for me than, than an app on a phone where I feel constrained. But actually, you're right. It depends, depends what you're used to. I want to touch on Facebook, if we can jump back to that, because I know that um, you actually touched on it, a post from Mark Zuckerberg, which was last night, I think you said it came through? Yeah, yesterday, yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that, because Facebook's been in the news uh, quite a lot, controversy over data, leakage with Cambridge Analytica, and there's been lots of other little stories coming out. I'm constantly seeing stuff in my news feed about what they are and they aren't doing. I think this is something that's come to try and maybe get ahead of a lot of this. I haven't read the um, article yet, but I'll make sure everyone can see it. But maybe if you can give us your feedback on it. Yeah, in summary, and it does need to be a summary because it was a huge 3,000 words. I mean, the key word is is privacy and there's a number of areas that Mark Zuckerberg was looking at so messaging which we've mentioned a move from public sharing to, to private section set sharing and when it comes to messaging encryption as well uh, mm. he talks about a lot so at the moment you can it, whatsapp messages are automatically encrypted and a lot of people don't realize but you can encrypt uh, messages on messenger but it's not very obvious and it's not right. you have to do it on a message by message basis so I think default encryption for for messenger is coming also he spoke about more safe data storage so only having Facebook servers based in countries where the governments aren't, to use his word, uh, intrusive. Um, so, uh, so all in all, uh, quite a few steps around uh, around privacy was the uh, was the main gist. And as I agree with you, I think it's to try and uh, try and get ahead of the the negative perception at the at the moment. There was a study out last week which asked uh, sort of which organizations to you most distrust and uh, and facebook was pretty high up on the list so yeah. i don't think that would have made pleasant uh, pleasant reading for them do you think from the post they're going in the right direction do you think the steps that they're taking are are something that will actually make big strides in terms of privacy and data storage and data handling because I, I think there's a couple of things areas that um for me are, are issues uh, and it's in terms of their it's, it's how they're communicating with people about what is actually happening and allowing people the choice, how their data is being handled. There's the issues where there's things behind the scenes that they're doing that they're not telling people about. And I think between the two of those, the ambiguity of security and then, you know, just things happening behind the scenes, which, which may be just a factor of the way they've been working, but it just shows that if they don't change the way the data is moved around or stored or handled internally, how do you feel that that they are doing against that? Do you think they're working in the right direction? 
Yes, to a degree, but with with exceptions. I think mm. you know. I think this, this this statement yesterday from Mark Zuckerberg is a step in the right direction. However, there are other areas like it has recently transpired that the phone number that you logged for two factor authentication was actually searchable. And last year, it transpired that it was used for ad targeting as well. So it's kind of like you're giving up an information which is supposed to improve security and privacy, and then Facebook are, are sort of going behind your back and, and using that to, to target you with ads and to make you discoverable to, to other people. So I think there's a definite lack of transparency there. But on the other hand, they have talked quite a bit and at a very early stage about the um, the merge of of the messaging services, the merge of uh, WhatsApp messages, Instagram, Instagram direct messages, and uh, and Facebook Messenger. So I would say that's a positive because it gives people, you know, rather just sort of present that as a fait accompli on the day of launch, they're almost inviting discussion by bringing that up at a very early stage in fact you know when the newspapers and media got hold of that it was like you know the expectation was that it was going to be out in a couple of weeks but then sort of Facebook had to rein everybody back and say oh hold on this is just like it's not even in the development stage yet you know yeah. it's just in the it's just almost a, a thought at this stage a plan again I think it's about options You've always got to give people options, sort of um, merge, if you like, of those three services. It's not going to be compulsory, which is great. So you don't have to sort of opt into that. So in other words, if, say, you're on Facebook Messenger and you don't want to receive messages from people on WhatsApp or vice versa, you, that's not going to be a given. You know, you can just stick with your your Facebook Messenger if you if you want. And the same applies to the other two services too. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think for me, it's it's not about them using people's data for, uh, for making money through advertising. I think that's fine. I think it's that they've got to be clear with people how they're using that. People will then happily trade their data for a service of some sort and, and, and allowing people different elevations of uh, data usage, then they get different elevations of uh, using the platform or, or it unlocks it. It's just this, this hidden nature of what they're doing with the data. Sort of like you're it's a transparency thing, yeah, isn't it? I, I totally understand what, what they're trying to do in terms of the data. It's just that they, they need to be certainly as, as a company the size that they are, more beholden to their shareholders, really, and and, sh- and and shareholders as in us, you know, people who are using their system. I agree. I think it's just an educational thing as well. Like you say, the service has to be paid for, and I'm pretty sure most people wouldn't want to pay a subscription, which has been ruled out by Facebook. It sort of has to be has to be advertising. So it's it's just a question of people understanding that. You get quite a lot of uh, articles and, and tweets and social media posts sort of with people surprised sort of saying, they looked at a certain website or they purchased a certain product and then they saw ads for it on Facebook. You know, really, this shouldn't come as a shouldn't come as a surprise anymore. And quite often that's presented in a negative way. Uh, but for me, it's actually a positive because the ads are kind of like personalized and targeted. You know, I want I want I would rather see ads that cater for my hobbies and interests rather than for stuff that I'm just not interested in at all. I think there's a lot of education to be done there, which, you know, is that Facebook's job? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult because uh, you and I are interested in technology, obviously different elements of it, but we're interested in technology and how these things work. And so don't even give it a second thought. Other people don't think about it at all. They're just using it as a tool. They're not thinking about how it works behind the scenes and how it gets the job done, even how it's paid for, um, and until they really start looking. I'm all for targeting advertising. I actually think it is much more useful to get an advert that you yeah. actually will like because um, of your habits. It's just 
it's how they're making that in, inference, where they're collecting data from, because there may be some sources who say, actually, I don't want you to track me in these different places, but I'm happy for you to look at this. Um, and it, it, it's tricky because it's a lot of data to manage. And obviously, they, in some ways, they feel if we can take all of it, then we can actually serve you better. It's about transparency. And I, I'm interested. I think one of my issues with Facebook, and one of the reasons I don't, I don't personally like it or use it that much, is not so much various goings on in the background. It's more the utility of the front end. It yeah. feels so bloated with stuff that it actually mm. has lost that initial utility that it did have uh, in terms of just conversing with your friends, which is where WhatsApp comes in or, or maybe people feel more comfortable on Instagram. Yeah, that could be another reason going back to the previous conversation. There was an interesting yeah. post the other day. I hadn't really thought about it like this because I'm sort of in it almost literally every day but if you actually took a screenshot of that um, compose box that there is now like you say to commu- which is basically there initially to communicate with your friends and you look at the myriad of options that are underneath I mean I think there's about 17 or maybe as many as 20 now different things that you can add and, yep. and create do. post video live video life events you've got uh, tag friends how are you feeling yeah so you've got this sort of confounding array of options there which is fine I mean it's, it's like anything with an interface once you get used to it and use it there's utility there and you know uh, certainly that's easier if you're using it a lot but for, for someone who dips in and out actually it, it's not it doesn't provide much utility so i want to move on now jonathan to your rebrand of your website yeah. let's see if i can share the screen so everyone can see see your current website in fact let's bring up that previous article here is this the moment where you're going to show my old logo uh, no i will bring that in in a minute well let's let's do that though so um this is where jonathan came from um, I've just done a Google search for Internet Future, which was your previous company name and logo. Can you give us just a brief bit of the background as to where that company name came from and then why you changed it, why you've moved forward? Okay, so the first thing was when I went out as a freelancer, I guess there was a decision to make between do I go for a business name as such or do I go for my own name? Uh, which is a dilemma that quite a few freelancers face. And it's a tricky one. I think there's sort of pros and cons for for each each option there. And my feeling at the time was that I just wanted to, it was something new for me and I just wanted to sort of like represent, arguably misrepresent myself as being bigger than I actually was. So I kind of like went for the slightly more, I suppose, prestigious if that's the I don't prestigious is quite the right word but slightly more credible that's a better word um credible option of a of a business name as opposed to my name which nobody would have heard of so and that that was that that was the name thing and the particular name was because I was very much working with uh intranets I'm interested in the future and predictions of we've dis- as we've discovered and the name intranet future was available I mean that's a big thing these days with company names pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah is taken uh with regard to names and domain names and social media so that's what i that's what i went with i mean initially i was going to be doing more consultancy uh around intranets and internal comms and that didn't happen so i just never really got around to changing the changing the name until recently <laughs> the end of last year so what, eight, eight years in you think well, i should i should change yeah. yeah it took a while and the reason was twofold really um as I said before, nobody had heard of me at that stage, but now most people do know me in terms of social media and my name. So I yeah. figured there was there was that. They never really 
I suppose, uh, align themselves with the internet future name. It never really had was was much of a factor. Yeah. And also the name itself is, is pretty much meaningless now in terms of what I do. So I, I wanted to just totally transpose that and make it very obvious in terms of what I did. So hence, Jonathan Pollinger, my name, dash social media trainer, which which does what it says on the on the tin, as, as they say. Exactly. Yeah, there was there was always this difference between your brand going out there as Jonathan Pollinger and then actually when yeah. search for you online coming across the website internet future like a disparity between the two and I, but i was just in it, it's a big leap to make you know did you is there anything were you anxious about whether you would lose uh, say site traffic people would not recognize you anymore not the latter because the recognition sort of would, would hopefully improve and also awareness of what i actually did would improve but yeah there were a few technical concerns so i had sort of my fears allayed talking to the to, to the right technical people on that and also got a lot of support on the branding side from a visual company in, uh, in in Bristol, and uh, they were very good on the, uh, the on the name, uh, on the on the colour scheme, the and that side of the branding font and all that kind of uh, kind of thing. So uh, quite quite a big move, but uh, certainly I would recommend working with experts if you are thinking of rebranding because it is it is quite a big thing to do an even bigger thing to actually get right and then of course you've got implementation as well so there's quite a lot to be quite a lot to be done and even now I sort of discover bits and pieces only this week I discovered that my uh, Twitter on uh, LinkedIn was linked to intranet future so uh, uh, three months three or four months after it after it happened so there's all you know there is so many different things that you've got to change on different contact forms and websites social media and all the rest of it and directories of course so uh, yeah I would advise people to uh, to try and sort of seek out an expert to, to help them and, and has it worked have you seen it better yeah definitely I think a lot of positive comments in terms of the actual brand itself I think it, it has helped uh, nobody's kind of like mentioned internet future being lost mm. inquiries are good and I would also say that there is less that was another aim there's less confusion now with an entire industry really which is sort of known as social media management where people manage your social media on your behalf so they're writing your posts and doing your tweets and that sort of thing you know in essence that entire industry is my competition so I wanted to make it clear that my thing is training and not actually doing social media on somebody else's behalf and that confusion has almost gone I would say Uh, I used to get a lot of calls and emails and people referring me work saying oh can you you know can you basically write this person's tweets and I don't get that anymore which is great because I so because I think the message has, has, has got across it makes more sense for people when they meet you the name the name is, is simple but also that it's clear what you do and I think that's so important so many people do have a company or brand but it's not quite clear what they do i mean we, we struggle with this a lot i mean we do marketing more broadly uh we touch on social media but that's part of it but actually there's still elements where we struggle with what when people are looking for marketing what what element of it some sometimes they're looking for people to do the work like you yeah. said with social media generally we don't do that we've moved into a little bit more with inventive people um our new project but otherwise we don't uh it's, it's more about consultancy like you and helping and supporting people and sort of being that person who, who who they can rely on to to 
sort of go through this uh, interesting world of uh, online marketing with them. So w- well done anyway. It was, um, yeah, certainly the right choice. Uh, definitely worth the leap, even though it was eight, eight years after, I think it's... <laughs> even though it's a bit late. Yeah. Great. So I'm going to move on to uh, an interview I had with a guy, Magnus Unamer, I think it is. He was talking about marketing automation. Broadly speaking, this is more email marketing, but it could be picking up signals from social as well. Also probably uh, some sort of ad retargeting as well, but using systems to come up with a sort of process where you can then put that into not a machine as such, but a set of rules where though where people are communicated with uh, along a timeline and hopefully nudge down your funnel and, and also hopefully done in a way that is um, responsible. You know, we were just talking about Facebook and badly managing data. So your so your data is either sort of things are happening that you don't know are happening behind the scenes, but also you're being bombarded with messages that are inappropriate. So the whole point of this is to help the uh, promotion of a company to be more appropriate. I highly recommend uh, people have a listen to that. It's on our blog now. Just uh, look for going viral with marketing automation. Have a listen to that. It's, I think it's a really good interview with, with Magnus there. Um, I'm also uh, had an interview with um, Alexandra Galvez, um, who is uh, one of the like a top influencer on LinkedIn. Really, she's got a really interesting backstory um, as how, how she started these LinkedIn local events. Uh, that's That was only recorded on Tuesday, so that's not going to come out for a couple of weeks. But um, uh, look out for that on our podcast feed as well. That'll be coming through. And um, what else have we got? Oh, yes, we've got a new page on our website, a new events page, because I'm doing some workshops at uh, Unicorn House in Sirencester, a variety of different workshops, all free, starting in March on the 26th, blogging and content strategy. So it's really looking at how you might uh, work to put together some sort of timeline for blogging, what, sort of, what the ideas are, how you might generate ideas, what topics you know everything really to alleviate a lot of the fears that stop people doing anything on that obviously you can use some elements of those on social media in terms of putting a plan together but obviously Jonathan if you're going to go into more depth would be a good guy to speak to on that this is really just looking at if you have a website with a blog on it how how you can structure your time to write content for that but we're doing a whole series got them booked in all the way up until November when we finish with email marketing yeah so it's really really nice it's a really lovely co-working space yeah definitely register for those if you are listening we this podcast may come out after the first event has already hit so I apologize on that but do do book ahead on the on the other ones we've got and finally I just want to touch on a uh, funny thing I saw on Twitter if I can find it it was called if baguettes could move It's a very bizarre animation. But I thought what was lovely about this, this is, this is the, I think, the good side of social media. This is using social media for in a positive way with a group of people where you feel you're going to get some response and you can, you're going to get promotion from it. So this is uh, an animator who's um, putting out to his following, basically, he's got, he's got to make a baguette move in, in some uh, advert he's doing. So he's trialing different ways of making it move. And I just love the discussion. If you scroll down, there's people, he's got some different ways here. He's exploring. People are talking about different ways that uh, a baguette should move based on other animals, snakes, and so on. I think it's a really good conversation without too much um, nastiness in there as well. And I think that's this is a good aspect of what the internet is about. It's sort of good, collaborative fun. As I've forgotten to do our sponsor, we'll do it at the end. And our sponsor is Inventive People. So uh, you've heard me talk about this a few times. This is our way of people being able to buy mini projects worth of time with people who they trust to do um, work, such as blog writing, uh, developing a website, helping with social, video production, that sort of thing. Because because I found really that most people actually, um, while they might want consultancy from some someone like Jonathan or, or, or I, actually then need help doing that sort of work. And, and while we don't offer that, um, we do know people who do. 
So inventive people is a way of um, finding people to get that stuff done. And it could be, um, you know, from things like call answering, um, helping manage events, helping with edit websites. Uh, maybe your website's hacked and you need to help with that. Um, so inventive people is, is our site for doing that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's really a collective of people that I've worked with over, uh, over our nine years and built up over time that I trust. So really, things like if you need blog articles written, website update, new staff photos, case study, um, video, you go to Inventive People, find the person on there, and you can just buy it, buy it online straight away. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can get 20% off your first order with the code Inventive People. So if you just add that in at checkout, you'll get that discount straight away. Right. Jonathan, is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you want to promote that's going on at the moment? Maybe some workshops that you're running? Uh, well, I'm not doing any public workshops, but uh, I have just started uh, doing a daily video show as well on uh, on Instagram. So that's oh, on really? uh, IGTV. So I've been sending out uh, a daily WhatsApp update with uh, social media news and new features since uh, summer last year. And uh, just last week, I'm now doing a video version kind of of that. But what I'm doing is taking one sort of um, new feature that's been announced or one news item and giving a bit of extra insight, context and uh, and tips uh, around that. So it's uh, it's a bit sort of extra uh, on top of the uh, on top of the daily WhatsApp uh, update. It's really aimed. I would say it's not for everybody, but if you've got a strong interest in social media, definitely if you're a social media professional, then uh, it could be for you. Great. Okay. Yeah. So I've got it up on screen. I'll make sure people get a link in there as well for that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for your time, Jonathan. Hopefully, we can have you on in, uh, another time in the future if there's any key topics that you want to talk about. Sounds good. So if anyone wants to find the show notes for this episode, you go to our website, look for episode number 34, and um, you'll find it all there. That's on ratherinventive.com slash podcast. You can send in your business marketing or creativity questions for our next episode as a tweet to at ratherinventive, or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. You can visit our sponsor, which is Inventive People, and if you buy anything online in your first order, you get 20% off if you use the code Inventive Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and thank you, Jonathan.